0: All right, uh we are here in Mongo's house with uh Mario Hirose. Welcome.
1: And thank you for having me today. I really appreciate the opportunity. No problem. Man.
0: Um yeah, so uh we um I I was I was just telling you um about my dog. Yeah, you might hear him uh drinking uh from his water bowl and we just changed his food, so if there's any bad gas, that's not me. That's him. <laughs> So um so how you been? Where where, uh, where are you at now? Where are you where do you live? Was it a tough drive coming over?
1: Uh, you know what? I was actually staying at a friend's place over in Westwood, so it oh god, that was a long drive. I I figured Saturday morning afternoon it would have been an easy drive, and it ended up taking two hours. Jesus! I normally live in like close to Brea though, so it should, it would have been pretty easy, but oh yeah yeah.
0: Well, you were you were fortunate, <laughs> or um I'm very grateful you brought over beer. I'm already drinking a a SoCo, so it should be a fun podcast. (laughs) Just hanging out, getting to know each other. Um, We first worked um, together over at Claremont, and uh, you were in the comedy contest, and you won that thing, right? Right. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And that's actually why I wanted, because I wanted to hear your backstory. Uh, You mentioned a little bit about it, um, but but what got you into comedy? We'll start there.
1: Uh, It was actually an ex-girlfriend. Well girlfriend broke up with me and I said I wanted to go do something different mm. and I've always taken a lot of random classes so it was just one of those things where I um, always had an idea thinking I might go do something like this and it was like the next class that kind of came up
0: so you um, it was a, a comedy class mm-hmm. was uh, it through uh, flappers or
1: uh, it was one in Orange County and uh, oh, okay, it was actually run by someone who started Groundlings oh really she was one of the founding members uh, oh that's pretty Sheree. cool so I took a class with her and then I took one more class in uh, San Juan Capistrano and uh, just been off and running ever since
0: I, see I was like I was telling you earlier man. I've been I've been seeing your we're, we're friends on on Facebook and Instagram and dude you've been you've been doing going hard dude Like, you've been playing a lot of shows lately. Yeah,
1: it's it's been lucky. So, uh, I've got a little bit of a lull just for a couple weeks, and then I've got a couple more bookings. And, yeah, I I was joking with a friend. I actually need to start working more because I want to be out of uh, shows soon. Yeah, didn't
0: you get a phone call from Jay Leno?
1: I did. Dude, what was that? How did that (laughs) even happen, dude? (laughs) Uh, In the day job... um, i work in the motorsports industry oh, okay uh it's for a company called the national hot rod association it's like nascar indy oh, yeah, car yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and one of my clients on that side actually sponsors jay leno um and you know he, he sponsors jay and he, they talk you know a couple couple times a month and he was like hey you know knowing that you do this stand-up stuff why don't you talk to him and i'm like i'm i'm like i'm like this compared to jay leno like you know i don't think it would be worth his time he's like no no no. seriously i talked to jay about it um you know call him at the garage tell him that we talked and you know you're calling from this client and so i called him and it took a couple phone calls he was in and out of you know his office and we finally talked and i figured we'd probably have to schedule an appointment and he ended up giving me like 35 minutes really um offered his cell phone number had told me to come by his office and i'm like oh my god like dude that's crazy jay Leno's now the most famous person on my cell phone that's awesome yeah
0: that's way cool man so you, you're uh you're like hey um can you can you mentor me like <laughs> 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 Will you be my big brother <laughs> yeah
1: so uh i mean i sent him a text just saying hey thank you When uh, afterwards and he didn't really text back, but uh, you know, I figured you never know. And yeah. and I mean, I, he was so nice and so encouraging, and uh, I couldn't say anything. I I can't say more good things about him. It just he was so kind and I was, That's I was awesome,
0: shocked. Dude. Yeah, the, I think the the most famous person in my um, in my phone book is a, a director of B rated martial arts movies. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that was cuz <laughs> I responded to a uh, Craigslist ad and it's I swear to god it looked like it was uh they're like yeah we're looking for a comedian um for a special event and the picture looked like it was a praise concert like with all these people with their hands in the air like swaying you know. And I was like, uh is this a religious concert because I mean it, it didn't look like white power cuz there were black people in the picture like so I didn't <laughs> <laughs> I knew was it wasn't that like but I was, and they're like no 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 and so it was just I guess some some photo they threw it up for special events and but it was a it was a celebrity roast of, of <clears throat> Art Camacho and so I, I went up there and roasted him and he's like he's like he's like we're working together again and I was like oh if if not so it's like you don't know who you're talking to you're talking to Art Camacho he always talked about himself in third person he's like, <laughs> he's like you're talking to Art Camacho when Art Camacho says it, something's gonna happen it's gonna happen I was like. All right, buddy. Sounds great. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's writing something for me. I have no idea. It's it's been. I uh, was like, I guess uh middle of uh, November, I guess, or September, something like that.
1: Yeah. So I love those like B level like martial arts movies back in the day with like Cynthia Rothrock. Dude, it. I was sitting next to um,
0: Dra- Don the Dragon Wilson. Really? Fucking whole night, dude. <laughs> like he was the best, dude. I was. I, <laughs> I, and my uh during my my set i was like um i was like uh and you know don dragon wilson is here i said uh you know um i have to tell you i i grew up watching your movies um and as a teenager uh they'd always come on like they'd be like on cinemax you know and stuff and dude i would just be sitting there like come on don Knock this guy out so he can get to the real action stars on the Cinemax. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Softcore stuff.
1: <laughs> I feel like this Generation 2 has completely been deprived of it. Like, there are no real big martial arts movies anymore when you think about it.
0: No. Have you seen the new John Clon Van Damn thing from oh, on Amazon? Amazon? Yeah, John Clon Van Johnson. <laughs> have you seen that? No. <laughs> Dude, its it is – It is like, it's a B-rated movie on steroids. It is so bad in so many ways that it's, it's just, dude, I'm addicted to candy. And I'm addicted to some of those b for the same reasons. like, they don't make you any better, but they just feel so good in the moment watching them.
1: Oh, that's like, I feel like Expendables, that entire movie series. Yeah, Yeah, That's like 80s movies to a core.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we, I'm telling you, just... Watched john claude van johnson for the one i think i got to the third episode and then i've just been busy with everything but it's so funny it's so funny and it's and they play it they play it so straight you know what i mean yeah That it makes it <laughs> it just makes it hilarious but uh yeah we uh what, what else I, I saw that you're into uh mma or or boxing
1: yeah it's uh I did it when I was a kid from, like, 8 to 18. Oh, really? I mean, I'm Asian, so you have to learn martial arts.
0: Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> I got a story about that, but I'll let you finish yours first.
1: <laughs> and I got out of it for a really long time and then ended up reconnecting with a lot of my martial arts MMA friends just a couple of years ago. Oh, sweet. And one of my students from way back when, um, as a bucket list thing, he's like, I want to fight in the octagon. And so he actually has a fight coming up in Santa Ana. I think it's like Friday, March twenty third. And sweet. I said, dude, let me like I just want to be part of that entourage that walks out yeah. you know, like beforehand, you know, carrying a banner. So I was like, well, you can do that, but you gotta help train me. So awesome. Yeah, so every Thursday night we uh we, we go to uh an MMA gym and train with all the other students.
0: Really? How's that been working out for you?
1: I never feel old like, for my age. Yeah. But all of a sudden, I'm, like, fighting people in the ring half my age, and my brain says I want to do one thing, and then there's, like, this two-second pause before, like, a punch <laughs> or kick comes out.
0: I, I did wu Thai for a while, and, dude, I dude, I couldn't. If I tried to, hi- like, head kick you, I might get your hip. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably still turn it over, but I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm good enough for, like, maybe two head kicks, like, a night just but it takes me a good like hour and a half to stretch before i can get to that point
0: dude i'm i'm like literally just cement from the ass down from, from now like i was just i have no flexibility anymore but it's um i used to love it i used to love just but i trained in muay thai and so you know knee knee workouts are the best i would just tear into, into the bag on those things and
1: Oh my God, like that shin and like forearm workouts you do just to like deaden all those nerves? I mean, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's it, dude, it's no joke. I, that was the only time that I ever, and I played, I played college football, and that was, that was the only time I'd ever worked so hard that I would throw up. Like, it was just, it was just intense. It was fun though. I loved it. You were saying that, that, um, you're Asian, so you've always been around it. When I was in high school, I, uh, I was dating a foreign exchange student from China, and um, I remember telling my buddy, I was like, dude, I'm really, he says, how are things with Wendy? And uh, I was like, well, they're going good, they're going really good. I said, but, just fucking nervous, bro. And he's like, why? He's like, well, because, you know, they learn martial arts in the womb, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like, I don't. I'm afraid that there might be some type of language barrier. She's a foreign exchange student. What if I say something and it's offensive, and then she just starts yelling at me in a language I can't understand, and then I can't defend myself verbally? Then next thing you know, there's a right roundhouse kick to my head, and and I'm waking up somewhere. You know, he's like, "Listen, here's what you do." She starts getting all crazy, starts yelling at you in in all vowels. He's like, you just tell her um, Mickey Mouse, and she's like, "Oh, I like Mickey Mouse." <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, she's Chinese, bro. <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right. I've never, I've never forgot that conversation. That was the the uh, the biggest worry of a of a high school football player.
1: Hmm. I always learned just to never play ping pong against them.
0: Oh yeah, dude. We got we got to get a beer pong. We, we could probably play beer pong and beat him, but we put the, the net real high. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
1: The guy I'm training is actually Chinese, and we just started playing like ping pong together, like competitive. And Oh, really? I mean, I'm not that good, but he's got like a $250 paddle, no. and I think I'm like 0-24 against him so far.
0: Dude. <laughs> and, then, and then he goes and punches you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> No thanks, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we friends again? (laughs) That's funny, man. So what? um, You you had said that you had uh, you had uh, some health complications, right? Yeah,
1: uh, I had a brain tumor diagnosed almost uh, a little over ten years ago.
0: That's crazy. How did that happen?
1: Um, you know, it's I always tell people, even though it go get like your annual physical because you never know. Yeah, And literally, I went in, blood work, and then just a bunch of levels were just off. And the doctor's like, this is, like, you're way out of the normal range of, like, certain lo- levels. Mm-hmm. And you need to go see a specialist about this. Yeah. And the brain tumor was so early that I was able to just treat it with medication. Or Really? So it went from a threat, and then it went benign for seven years. And, uh... And then it ended up hemorrhaging on his own. But huh. the type of brain tumor I had, most people never know about it. It's uh, it's actually was on the pituitary, which is kind of like towards the front of your brain. Um, it actually would end up pinching. I'm sounding like a medical doctor on the optic nerve.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> and most people wake up and go, "Oh my god, I can't see." They get rushed to the hospital, and then they got to do like emergency surgery to like remove the tumor. But for me, because it was just an annual physical, um, they found kind of the precursor to it, and uh, they said, "Yeah, we could just treat this and make sure it doesn't get any bigger, just with medication."
0: So, do you think that a part of that was the was the doctor? Because I mean, there's people that go to doctors and they're like, "Yeah, well, you're standing," you know what I mean? Like, you're like, do they is that a normal test
1: or was it a yeah. specialized test? No, or? I mean, it was just a normal test, and it was just uh, certain things that they would normally test for in your blood work. It just everything was just really whacked out and. And do you,
0: I, I go through Kaiser, do you have Kaiser or do you have a different?
1: It's, it's just a regular just, family just doctor family and it's uh, a lot of the stuff would just be in your normal blood test, so. Huh,
0: that's yeah. cool, man. So, it, you um, you evaded death, but you didn't go into comedy then. <laughs> no, like, you're like, <laughs> you know what, I, a couple
1: open mics I've been to, it feels like that though. <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh no i mean i've done a lot of really dumb things in my life and a lot of dumb classes so i i feel fortunate
0: What's so so what what are some of your other interests besides comedy
1: um <clears throat> i take a lot of random classes um and then i try to do like one unique thing a week so really? yeah
0: so what did you do uh, last week
1: last week uh well, I mean, this week I mean easier example like I performed at the, the original room of the comedy store, so I just did that yesterday. I know I
0: saw that. That's, that's it. how did you get into
1: that? Um, I was at a different show and then talked to one of the comedians, and I always try to make a network, like just making an opportunity to like meet new people uh-huh. every single show, you know. Uh-huh. So I end up either Facebook friending someone or just exchanging numbers or something. And then one of the comedians was like, "Hey, I think you'd be great for the show. Do you want to do it?" I'm like. It's the comedy store, of course. That's so, so awesome, dude! Yeah, it's uh, the second time I've been there now.
0: Really, dude, All my all my my heroes are there, dude. I fucking love Rogan, uh, <coughs> Kreischer, um, Burr. I mean, th- I those those are probably my top three. Um,
1: yeah, like uh, Bobby Lee was one of the headliners last night, and nice. I kind of flirted with the idea of seeing if I could sneak on stage and see if people could tell the difference between me and Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lot bigger than Bobby,
0: though, right? Like Bobby's a little guy.
1: Yeah, he's a lot shorter, but I yeah. feel like build-wise, we're about the same. And I was like, I wonder if people could tell the difference
0: if you just stood like five feet behind him yeah. <laughs> like, where he normally stands. <laughs> yeah. a little depth perception. That's great, dude. That's great. So, um, you said that uh, you had said that a, a, a girlfriend or an ex-girlfriend had kind of gotten you had broken up with you and that's what what got you into the into the comedy thing, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was I mean, it was a couple of things. I mean, the first idea or thought of me ever doing stand up. Mm-hmm. I norm. I'm not that type of person that I ever remembers like my dreams. I just go to sleep, I wake up and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of those few nights where like I had a dream that I was doing stand up. Really? And I remember I woke up laughing. And I even remembered my bit.
0: <laughs> really?
1: And so when I first went to like my first standup class, I was like, okay, I've got this bit that I somehow dreamed up. Right. And I've never gotten it to work. Like it sucks to this day. Like I've never done it on stage. I've never done it at open mic. Like it's not that funny. But um, yeah, that was like the first idea of me ever doing this. And then me and my buddy way back when we used to compete on Facebook, like who had the funnier posts oh okay yeah so it got to the point where like we would compete and then i would get pissed off at my facebook friends people like this is funny like why am i not getting more likes about like with this this post (laughs) and then so we stopped the contest because of that but uh yeah and i just remember even back then being so neurotic about like word placement and sentence structure and you know, oh, it's just so like you,
0: yeah so you've been you've been writing jokes for a while yeah and it's just, just in a it's, format.
1: yeah it's just the same thing like with stand up it's like you think about every single word and yeah and uh so after my girlfriend broke up with me about you know, a little more than a year ago i was like oh what's the next random class i could take and i was like well i always wanted to try stand up
0: so, what are some of the other things, other classes that you did that were that were interesting?
1: Um, my most famous one, uh, I I took a Matador bullfighting class.
0: Shut the fuck up, you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I have two questions. <laughs> Where was that class given?
1: Next. Yeah. Mexico.
0: It was in Mexico. Okay, because my next question was, where would you find a fucking bull? (laughs) They would would let you do that in America. So you were in Mexico.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it all started with me just being bored at work one day. And I was like, and just random ideas pop in my head. I was like, how do people become out of (laughs) doors? So Google search. I find a website, and it's still up, bullfightschool.com. You can look it up. (laughs) <laughs> the shady thing about the website was that it was, it was like outdated by at least a couple of years. But I was like, you know what? It's still online. I'll give, a, give them give a call. We'll see, see what's what happens. Cracking, you know what I mean? I, I call I the can see
0: myself with some tight pants and some jingle and a jingly jacket. I got you, man. I got you. This is good.
1: <laughs> worst start to this class ever. Because I called the guy up, uh-huh. creepy, creepy Spanish accent, and he's like, "Oh, we just happened to have the last class of the season in three weeks." Can you make it? Can you make it? Oh, by the way, it's like six hundred dollars. Okay. Charges my credit card. He's like, okay, I'll send you the information right away.
0: Okay, so you gave you gave <laughs> someone from <laughs> that you're, that's at least you were able to go and and actually have it because if you call another country, let, give them your credit card number for, and they only take the six hundred that they say they're going to. Like I would think that that, that was kind of a, a risky move.
1: Well, the school is actually based in San Diego, and then they would caravan uh, all their students over to like Tecate for the, for the school. Um, so the day one of the training was actually in San Diego before, and then the next day we went over to Mexico.
0: No, he they, they showed up. They're like, you're not one of those animal rights activists. Sorry, like, they got one of those, they got like those bad like drug deal uh, scenes. Like you're not a cop, or right. you got to tell me if you're a cop. Like you're not like they didn't, they didn't make sure that you were. Part they of
1: PETA. No, and I actually almost got kicked out of the school the first day. Um,
0: <laughs> to tell <laughs> the,
1: I get you. Know, and the school was actually just at a guy's house and. So we sit down. Obviously, and he, he ends up being this expatriate who went to Spain, fell in love with bullfighting culture, and somehow came back with a really creepy accent. <laughs> and we're sitting outside, like in his front yard, in this on this picnic table. And he was like, "Mario, why are you here?" And I am like, um, "I was bored. I was wondering how people become matadors. Found your website, called you. Now we're here." He's like, "Have you ever been to a bullfight?" No. Have you ever seen a bullfight? No. He's like, what? And he's like, confused. He's like, what's your experience in bullfighting? I'm like, I saw Bugs Bunny do it once. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that don't let the shotgun get stuck on his tail because bullets are going to come out of his horn. (laughs) No lie, that was my answer. He was so pissed, he almost kicked me out of the class.
0: I, I, well, yeah, because you're making fun of his profession. <laughs> I,
1: and that was my honest truth. That's like my experience with bullfighting, and, and it took like every ounce of patience for him to like not kick me out of his house.
0: That's hilarious, dude. I love that. I love that. We uh, so you, um, so you go down there, you, you survive the first day, and then. They drive you over to the to the uh it was it was it in you at mm-hmm. so they drive you to the to the bull ring what was your uh, what were your thoughts at that point
1: so well, the training the night before uh they called tantha it literally involved the dude putting up his horns like his two fingers up <laughs> to make like horns and right. he would charge me with the with the cape right. and so th- him doing that for three hours was something. I was gonna tra- like, prep me to go fight in a, yeah, a, a ring with a bull. bull. Yeah, a 1,500-pound bull. Well, yeah. <laughs> it is defense or training bull, so these are, like, 350 pounds-ish. Okay. Um, That first night, uh-huh. <clears throat> or, the, like, the first pass, I, I, I still replay this in my head to this, to this day. Uh-huh. I mean... My instructor went up first, and then it totally looked like a bullfight. like it was graceful, he had all the maneuvers, I mean, just like you would, yeah see on TV. And he asked me to go up next. In theory, the bull is supposed to pass my cape, pass me like another like 10 yards, turn around, and then it would give me enough time to reposition, and then you, know for me to keep doing my thing. Right. This bull is tired. So, <laughs> first pass. I look like at least in my head. There's no video or evidence of this. Right. Like a bullfighter with the proper posture and everything else. Yeah,
0: back was straight, legs were, yeah, were it, in perfect position, elegant,
1: proper, everything you could Passed possibly it think through. Well, the bull passes the muleta, which is the red cape, mm-hmm. immediately turns around. <laughs> Headbutts me in the thigh. Oh god! I fall over onto the ground. As I'm getting up, he headbutts me in the face. (laughs) Fractured cheekbone, concussion, bloody nose. I mean, I've got blood just gushing from my mouth, my nose. It was
0: how many other people were on deck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: There, there are two other students. Yeah. The sad thing, too, about this was the other two students had these, like, really romantic backstories of why they were there. Like, one guy, his dad was actually a bullfighter Uh who died in the ring when he was, like, two years old. Oh, my God. So, this was his way to, like, reconnect with his father.
0: And honor his his
1: life, yeah. The second guy, like, grew up right by Tijuana, and, like, his heroes growing up was, like, were the bullfighters. And so, this was, like, his adult fantasy camp. Perfect. Yeah, and then they so and
0: then there's you with the Bugs Bunny and the yeah. shotgun. <laughs> did you watch? Did, how many times did you watch the Bugs Bunny cartoon?
1: I mean, I can't tell you how many times I watched as a kid. But. No,
0: but I mean, did you watch it after you booked the thing? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, I better, I better study up. <laughs> So funny, so you so um, so you're on the ground. You've gotten headbutted in the face by a uh, a bull that was my size, three hundred fifty pound bull. <laughs> 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 and then, what happens at that point? Are you do you even do you even remember getting out of that ring? Or
1: no, no. It's so I mean, it's I roll over on my stomach. I start getting trampled. They finally pull the bull off, and. They tell me to go hide behind, like, one of the The barricades. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've been to a bullfight, yeah.
1: There's no sense of safety behind that wall. I mean, if this bull's smart enough, all he has to do is go on the other side of this wall and chase me out.
0: Yeah, but he doesn't see it. So (laughs) he disappeared. And,
1: you know, of course, everyone knew that, like, I was going to go bullfighting before I went. And so I was picturing, like, these great photos and video. I had, even though I didn't have the bullfighting outfit on I had like a nice dress shirt I yeah. had like a nice pair of jeans on I'm like this is going to be like some great f- pics on social media right.
0: Right.
1: my shirt was completely drenched in blood
0: <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> and you know it's Mexico like there's there's no paramedics uh-huh. no EMT uh-huh. no first aid kit uh, the only thing I got was locals that were watching the fight just laughing at me that that was that was the <laughs> <big> medical attention <laughs>
0: Oh man! So tell me, okay, I gotta hear other stories. Do you have other other? Uh, I know you did that. One. That was probably a big one. But what were some of the other things you would do? One of my buddies, um, he he was like, okay, I want to get into um, Kenpo fighting, and and he's he was older than me at the time. I'm uh, 41 now, so I want to say that he was probably 42 at the time. That uh, was a few years back. And so I told him, like, listen, buddy, you you want to do Ken Poe fighting?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I was like, "How much is this going to cost you to get in to get into it?" And he's like, "Well, um, you know, like there's there's the uh you know there's the there's the head headgear and and swords and and then the like the like the geese and everything." And I was like, "Okay, so what's your initial investment?" So maybe like five hundred bucks. I was like, "Okay." That's legit. I was like, um, and then you're going to have someone beat the shit out of you with a stick <laughs> for maybe like, I don't know, maybe like two, three years before you're good enough to probably compete, you know, cause I mean, that's probably why you're going to do it, right? To be able to compete. And then, um, so that puts you at around, let's just say 40, 44, 45, and then, How long before... Like, how how long can you compete? And are there other 45-year-olds that are over there beating the shit out of each other with sticks? Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) I was like, here's an idea. Why don't we go take that money, we buy you a bent stick, and you can learn to shoot arrows. You know what I mean? We'll take you to archery. And there's a whole bunch of old guys that are like, hey, you did a good job. They pat you on the back. And if you get old, you just buy a lighter bow and just aim higher. Like, it's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) I talked him out of that one, but he's I think he still thinks that that was a uh one of those um opportunities gone by. I, I really think he started watching too many Star Wars movies and was just like, dude, I'm gonna do i do Kenpo and do like some Jedi fighting with wooden sticks and I'm like it's not gonna work, pal. I did work. take
1: that class like two years ago. Did you? And blaming on my martial arts background, like I refuse to ever wear like that much productive gear. Like even kickboxing MMA stuff, it's like I wear gloves. Well, that's pretty much it for the most part, most of the time. Yeah, and uh, I refused to wear the helmet.
0: No, you had to wear the helmet.
1: Uh, so it was like the intro <laughs> class, and I'm like, no, nah, no, don't worry about it. I, like, ended up getting it whacked in the face, and there's a picture like on my Facebook page of me holding like a bit like a piece of meat because I got like this huge bruise on my face. So yeah, <laughs> I, I think I took the pain for him. <laughs>
0: that's crazy, dude. Uh, you you've done a lot of interesting things. So how did you get into your your current job with the uh, NHRA? Um,
1: I've always wanted to work in sports, uh-huh. so my degrees in sports management. Figured I'd end up working for the Dodgers or Lakers or doing something, and right after college, I kind of realized quickly that everyone wants to work
0: with the Dodgers and the Lakers. Yeah, and yeah.
1: they ended up being the first company that called me, and I figured, okay, I'll do this for a couple of years and then, you know, move on and I'll kind of leverage this to that next career opportunity, and. Blank and it's like sixteen years later I'm still there
0: that's awesome my my dad used to used to race um dragsters when uh when he was younger i think he there was someone that had a car and needed a driver and so he he used to drive like a dragster down the like when wow. he, when he was i want to say he was probably like in his twenties and he was a little guy and so i mean I think weight was an issue it was my stepdad but he's only like five four, you know. So it's basically like throwing a jockey. Yeah. You know, like my dad took me to the to the racetrack when I was a kid, and I was like, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a jockey. He's like, You better stop growing now because you're heavier than the guy on the on the six horse. Can <laughs> I think I was eight? <laughs> like, I would have been looking like like. uh um It's like Shaq Harry, in that vitamin water commercial. Yeah, <laughs> I was like Harry Crumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, John Candy over there dressed up in the, in the jockey suits, <laughs> and the horse is like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So what do you do for the NHRA?
1: I work in the sales and marketing department, so I help, uh, help sell sponsorships. And then mostly, though, after the sale of the sponsorship, I kind of, I'm the guy that just makes sure everything happens. Awesome! I, know, my,
0: I now know who to call when my dad wants to go to the Winter Nationals. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I've got tickets. Awesome! <laughs> my um, my mom has no idea like I like what I do though, so I just tell her that I help sell really expensive stickers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, see that sticker? I put that on there too. So, she's so like, oh, okay, but are you, are you a uh,
0: first generation, second generation?
1: Um, yeah. My well, my mom was from Japan. Okay, so I guess that makes me second. Although, if you look at my dad's family tree, it's like fifth or sixth.
0: Oh, okay. Is he Japanese as well?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do they meet? My dad was on a business trip. Um, oh, in Japan? In Japan. When he first graduated from college, he was working for uh, Hughes Aircraft at the time, mm-hmm. engineering firm. And they're like, okay, he's single, he's young, he speaks Japanese, he's Japanese. We've got a big project over there. So they sent him out there for... I don't know, 6 to 12 months or whatever. And public transportation is so good over there that, uh, I mean, he took the bus to work every day. Yeah. And apparently my mom and dad had the same bus route, and that's where they met. Really? Yeah.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. The, um, so do they ever – does your dad ever talk about uh, – well, it would have been your – your dad, but it would it have been your dad or your grandfather or grandparents that had to deal with, the, with what happened here in California with the oh. internment camps and everything like
1: that? Fortunately, everyone on my dad's side <coughs> lived in Hawaii. Oh. And if they interned all the Japanese people in Hawaii, it would have just completely ruined the economy because there were so many Japanese people in the state at that time. Oh, okay. So they just got to live as they normally did. And yep. my grandfather actually ended up serving the U.S. Army at the time. Oh, really? So he was in the 442nd, which, for like military buffs, is like the most decorated unit in U.S. military history. Really? So I think because he's Japanese, they pretty much gave him all the crappy jobs. Oh, yeah. You know, all the suicide missions. And <laughs> yeah. And they somehow came out unscathed and got a bunch of medals because yeah, of it. Yeah,
0: he became the hero. Yeah. Man. That's cool. Do you have any brothers or sisters?
1: No, it's only child.
0: Only child. That's I, I'm... I was raised in a little child. I have uh, half brothers, um, but you know, I we're we're removed. You know what I mean? Um, but that's so. How old are you now?
1: Uh, Thirty nine.
0: Thirty nine. Oh, okay.
1: I'll be forty this year.
0: Is your is your mom like? Are your parents like? So are you gonna get married? Like what's going on? Like pretty much. Yeah. Tell them don't do it. So like <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been divorced twice. It's a bad idea. <laughs>
1: Although, like, I I talked to my dad about a lot of my stuff after the fact, like, when Uh I went bullfighting, and I actually just told him, like, maybe three weeks ago about Uh stand-up, and he just kind of gave me this look like he does with a lot of my other activities, like, well, this is the reason why you're single.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Chick's, like, funny. Look at your mother. She hasn't laughed in 40 years. (laughs) She's not going anywhere. <laughs> Sorry, I completely, <laughs> completely shitting on your dad and your and your entire culture. <laughs> so, so, are you gonna stick with uh, comedy for a while, or do you have any other other crazy uh, um, uh, classes that you got planned?
1: You know, it's. It's good and bad. I mean, this stand-up stuff has been keeping me so busy that I feel like a lot... Before, if you stocked my posts, it would be like, oh, I'm doing this this week, and then now oh, I'm doing another thing. And, like, everything it seems like for the last 12 months has been all about stand-up. And, I mean, the opportunities that have gotten just in the last year have been surreal.
0: It's so much fun.
1: And, you know, it's like I would have... If you told me a year ago, because my one-year anniversary was just like, I think, last week... Mm-hmm. Hey, you're going to be at the Comedy Store. Hey, you're going to be at Flappers. Um, you know, you're going to be at the at Irvine Improv or the Ice House. I'd be like, you're nuts. And Yeah. So um, it's I, I'll keep going as long as, as people want to book me and, you know, I get stage time and That's keep doing awesome. this. And half the fun for me, too, is just hanging out with other comics. I mean, yeah. like 51% is just like just sitting here just BSing with, with other funny people.
0: Yeah, it's a great time. It it really is. I um like uh, I've been uh, I I started interning over at uh, at the uh, at Flappers in Claremont, and like I was telling you, that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast. This isn't like sponsored by anybody. It's not it it it's not um like backed or funded by by Flappers, but like that's been my home club. That's where I first did stand up, you know, and so. Um, I wanted. I saw all of these comics that would bring people to, to to see them, but sometimes people just didn't show up or or what have you. And but I felt that I would see that when people would come and like get to know someone, they were coming to see somebody they knew. They usually receive their comedy a lot better, and so that was the reason why I started the podcast was just so that it would give comics an opportunity to to you know to, to build an audience and so that you can point stuff to things that you're mm-hmm. doing and coming up and and so um but even now like I know that uh like the bookers are like dude you need to start producing shows and I'm like producing shows like dude I don't even know it, it it literally I tell people all the time it took me two weeks to figure out how to turn on a fucking microphone on the shit that I bought like I didn't <laughs> know I'd never did any of this before. You know what I mean, and so, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a little overwhelming, you know, in in how much has happened in such a short time. But I love it, I enjoy it, and I, and much like you, um, it's it's uh, something that's being that the drive is out of a passion to do it as opposed to a necessity to earn something. You know what I mean, and so because it's out of that labor of of love as opposed to ends meeting you know i think it helps
1: well i mean for me i mean my first memories of stand-up were pretty much the same age like somehow stumbling on any evening at the improv mm-hmm. and i remember being like eight nine years old and going oh my god this is the most amazing thing ever and conceptually i didn't even know what stand-up was yeah and i was too young and too stupid to even go oh this is on every night on Thursdays at whatever time. Yeah. And just, I would stumble upon it and just watch and be like, this, this is great. And so.
0: I think the first, the first up that I ever saw, I think it was my dad telling me, come here, you need to listen to this. And it was Bob Newhart. And Bob Newhart was, um, he was, he was on stage and it was him with a with a telephone, and it was just him having a conversation with somebody on the telephone, and it was so funny. Like the the you only heard one side of the conversation, but you knew what was being said on both sides. He was brilliant in that in that aspect, and I start to see that Bill Burr is doing that now, um, but. Yeah, I used to watch old I, mean, I used to watch um Jonathan Winters and Robin Williams and um I used to Robin Robin Williams uh used to study Jonathan Winters and I loved both of those guys. Now I am neither of those guys. You know what I mean? Like right. and I and I'm, I'm I'm well aware but I love the way that I love the way that they didn't put up barriers within their own minds to just do, um, to just be silly. You know what I mean? And, and I think that, I think that not having to do like a nine to five job allowed that to happen more often. Unfortunately, they also put them both into psych works at some point. You know what I mean? Where they were like, you start blurring the lines, but I guess Aladdin when he was when Ron Williams was doing Aladdin the genie there was hours of stuff that they couldn't they couldn't use because it was so it was so blue <laughs> but it was, I, God if I could ever get a hold of those tapes it would be amazing can you just imagine like him just going just going on like for five hours
1: yeah that would be like an amazing director's cut oh my god just watching him do that
0: yeah don't even animate it just let us all have it all in our head you know
1: I mean, I think Good Morning Vietnam, like there was almost no script for that movie.
0: Yeah, 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 and, that, and that, I think that's kind of what um, that—that's—that was really his wheelhouse. You know, I—I I heard that he would. I mean, there some the 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 line between myth and reality is really blurry with him. But I think they said that he would do three shows a night, and each show would be completely different.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah like (laughs) and and so it's like it he had so much he had such a range in his arsenal that he could just play the crowd just three hours of gut splitting crowd work do you have any crowd work do you do crowd work
1: not yet i I feel like i'm still too new to where, like i'm still trying to get to the point where i'm happy with my like i'm Maybe a little too neurotic with my set, but mm. I'm, like very critical of, of my set. Do I remember all the jokes? How's the timing? Yeah. How do I? How am I performing everything on stage? Yeah. And so I try to challenge myself to at least make a callback to the previous comedian. But mm. uh, like, yeah, I'm not at that point you have to do crowd work, and it's not my style either. It's just like my hero is probably George Carlin. Oh yeah. After any evening at the Improv, I remember that 1992 HBO special he did mm. in New York, and I'm like this it was the first time I've ever seen Carlin before. And I'm like, hold like,
0: It's it yeah. mind
1: blowing to me. Like seeing that special. And he memorized his set like verbatim. Like if convert, like conversely to like Robin Williams. I mean, if you watched that show versus another show, it was like word for word. It was like just, he was a robot.
0: Yeah. I was, I just listened to a podcast with, I, which I want to say was Robin was, um, uh, it was Joe Rogan and they were talking about him and i guess <clears throat> he would he would go and and write out the entire set and and when i say write out the set it wasn't it wasn't a like bullet point it was notes and so going into the I guess he would start out with cards. He would he would have cards, and he would just like oh shit, throw it on the floor, and he would just like work stuff out. And then once he had it kind of worked into where he was going, he would then have a script, and then in that script he would have, uh, he would do theaters, and he would say, listen, I'm working out the script. I'm going to be reading off of the script. I have to do this in order to memorize it, for a taping that's going to happen and so there's someone saying like i remember going and seeing it and it was so weird to watch him with a script in his hand and he had probably about 70 percent of it memorized but it was word for i mean that was it was his literature you know what i mean just spoken spoken you know what i mean but that's i think that would have been I, i can't do that Like, you know what I mean? I think Bill Burr once said that, um, that the first, like when you first start out in comedy, you're trying to find, find your voice and then they say you find your voice and then you become who you are. He says, but what it really is, is just that you're, you're trying to, you're trying to be the person that you are off stage, that you are on stage at least for him. But there's other people that do characters, you know what I mean? But it's like mm-hmm. once you have that comfort level being on stage as you are off stage, that's when you find your voice. And so, I've just started doing crowd work. I've just started like engaging the, the crowd. And I think being an MC has had that, you know, where you have to try and like right. get stuff going. But, I would say just try it. You know what I mean? And and, and enjoy the moment. It's fun. It's fun. I was, I had a guy... That it was right after I bombed horribly. I had some, I, I asked if there were any college kids, like college students, because I could tell it was kind of a, a younger crowd. People were like, ooh, yeah. And so I tell a joke, and there's this uh, Asian kid with big glasses and the hair pulled into a man bun, you know, and he goes to laugh, but he covers his mouth. And I literally took a step down off the stage and I put my arm around him. I'm like, no, buddy, that's why we're here. You're supposed to laugh. I'm like, I get it. You're brown. There's white people in Claremont. It's fucking scary. It's okay, dude. That's why we're all here. (laughs) We're all having a good time. I was like, that guy over there? And there's literally a a guy right across the, the way that was fucking like paper pale white, real short haircut, white shirt, business vest on, and a red bow tie. I was like, that fucking guy looks like Pee-wee Herman. He's freaking me out. He's probably freaking you out. It's okay, <laughs> like you know what I mean. <laughs> and I was like, and so like it allowed people to just. People want to laugh at the stuff that's happening right now. You know what I mean? It's fun, dude. It's fun. So what do you got going on in uh, uh, upcoming? Do you have any any uh, shows coming up? Um,
1: <clears throat> I think February twenty second, which is a Wednesday. Um, maybe I've got the date wrong so I've got a couple of weeks to be in between. Mm-hmm. Um comedy and aviation. Um I've got a show there and then the very next day uh, I'm in another comedy contest. This one's called the US comedy contest. Uh I won my prelim and the finals is on the main stage at the Ice House.
0: Really? So at the main stage of the Ice House that's uh that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like I've I've gone over there and I've done like the um just yeah, the a room. little yeah, the, the, the room on the side, but I that was where my parent that was the first live comedy show I'd seen. It was at the Ice House.
1: I really like that venue just because it seems like every single like headliner comic always goes out into the patio, shakes hands, like takes pictures and autographs and it just seems like them like a really intimate, fan friendly like venue. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: That's so good times, man.
1: I mean I've actually made it a point where after every show I'm kind of blaming on the day job too I, mm-hmm. I usually always stand right by the exit and I I thank every single person for coming to the show and
0: yeah I, I mean I I do that too I've got my cards now um I was telling you, you and you were talking about like my setup that I have um I was telling my girlfriend I was like yeah I think I want I want like look at maybe merchandise and she's like merchandise what the fuck are you talking about like you just started and I was like no no I'm just like I'm thinking about merchandise like it's she's like and then I was, like, I was also saying, like, yeah, I'm thinking about, like, never done drugs before, but, like, I listen to Joe Rogan a lot, like, psilocybin mushrooms kind of looks like. She's, like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's, like, <laughs> and I'm, like, why are you freaking out? She's, like, okay, you said you were thinking about a podcast, and then we had boxes of microphones and shit showing up. Like, you can't be thinking about mushrooms. You can't be <laughs> thinking about, like, <laughs> about <laughs> merchandise because, like, one, we don't have the room to store fifty boxes of T-shirts, she's like, and I don't want to be uh, in a relationship with a freaking shroom head. And I'm like, okay, hold on, it's called microdosing. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear about it. But see, see, look, that's my girlfriend. Hi, Tiana. Hi, so, <laughs> but um,
1: yeah, we uh it's. What would, where did you grow up? Did you grow up uh, out here? Or? Yeah, I grew up uh, in Diamond Bar for most of my life. Okay. And then I, it's embarrassing. I think I moved four off-ramps from where I grew up. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I tell people it's a lot different. Like, those four ramps, like off-ramps <laughs> make a big difference. But, uh, yeah, I live in uh, Placentia, which is, like, right by Cal State Fullerton. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. most people are like, where's Placentia? And I, I, I usually just tell people I live by the Brea Mall.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know about all that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Things are good. Um, Did you play sports growing up?
1: No, it was just martial arts. Um, My biggest childhood regret is not playing baseball. Like, I would have loved to play baseball or football or something. But, you know, like with most sports, it's seasonal, or at least it Mm -hmm. used to be. So you would go from baseball to football and basketball. I mean, martial arts was a year-round sport, so it's like there was no time to really, like, quit and then go play, like, do something else.
0: Do you have the pictures of, like, you been in one pose and then... Like in the top left-hand side, and doing like a like a high kick. Yeah, yeah, you got this.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you um did did you ever so did you ever get into a fight? Uh, and use your martial arts. Hold on one second. What's up? Um, when the sorry, we're we're roasting. Uh, I'm smoking chicken and. Shoulders. It says that it's not connected. Here, take this out there and see if this will. the The low temperature on the barbecue should be two hundred, and then the highs three seventy five. Three seventy five. Sorry, it's gonna be delicious. Are you hungry? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be good. So. um, I'm gonna ed- fight. I'm not going to edit any of that out. It's August's house. I like I never edit <laughs> out anything. So. Um, sorry, people at home. Uh, so yeah, last so, fight. You know your first fight, oh. like, like with that you had some martial arts training in you.
1: You know I've only been in two fights like outside of a controlled environment like ever in my life. Uh-huh. First one was freshman year in high school. Um, the guy hit me like four times, like in the face, and. I didn't think this was gonna like escalate to a fight. Right. And maybe because I was pumped up on adrenaline, but yeah. I just started laughing at the guy. Yeah. And I I never <laughs> even threw a punch or a kick and then his friends were like, Oh my god and they pulled him away before I could even do anything. Really? So I guess you could say that was like half a fight. Yeah.
0: <laughs> They're like, dude, that guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you punch him in the face it tickles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but but even now, like, when I'm training every Thursday night, it's, like, I get punched in the face, and I think it's more of, like, I'm embarrassed, and then I just yeah. giggle because it's, like, almost like an embarrassment, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you popped me.
0: I would love to get back into fighting. Like, I would love to get back into the ring and just, like, do something. But, dude, I'm so fucking big, dude. It sucks. It sucks. I miss it. I was even looking at getting up a, a, a uh, like, just getting a heavy bag and, and getting some work in. But I'm going to have to go down there and and, uh, and mess around with you one day. All right. <clears throat> give me a good time
1: um second fight was senior year in high school and it was stupid it was one of those like girl like me um another guy like her right and he thought that if he beat me up the girl would like him instead
0: well that's what every AMC movie tells you you know what i mean <laughs> if, if you're just watching
1: if you're just watching westerns <laughs> like <laughs> and and plus, it was it was actually a freshman, too, who was taller than me. I was a senior at the time. Uh. And so he started wrestling me. I immediately got him in, in, you know, this is like 1996. So this is like UFC 1, 2. This is like UFC in its infancy. Right. And I already knew a lot of the, the submission moves and everything else. I quickly took, like, took him down and got him in an arm bar. No. And no one had ever seen an arm bar before. So there's like jaws were dropping. Like, what the hell is he doing? And all he knows weird. is he can't move because... Yeah. You push your hips up, you could break his arm. Right. So yeah. And it that fight lasted like maybe ten seconds and and then it was like over before it started.
0: Oh, that's crazy. I I grab people by the throat. Like I don't punch people. And and I I was a bouncer for like ten years. And there'd be like fights that break out and so like I would I would just go over and just grab people by the throat. <laughs> like, <laughs> the like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you grab people by the throat? I'm like, well, because I'm nice. Because if I strike you, I'm going to break your jaw. Like, and so, like, if I, if I grab you by the throat.
1: That's a power move right there. You don't breathe. Yeah, it's like that's like Darth Vader stuff, you know?
0: <laughs> I grabbed a guy, and I, he was, I, I want to say he was probably about maybe 150 pounds. And I was just so amped on, on adrenaline. I was working out, like, six days a week. I was down to, like, 287. Freaking picked that guy up by his throat like a bass started walking him out. <laughs> I had I'd caught a punch that he was throwing, and I swooped him up. And I was walking him out. <laughs> and the I was like, I got him, I got him, I got him, I got him. And he's, like, he's like, why do you do that? I was like, Cause I don't want to hurt him.
1: Uh, you said you played college football, so I'm assuming you're a lineman then? Or yeah, I
0: played defensive defensive tackle and flexed the defensive end. Wow. Yeah, 6'4", yeah. Six, six, 325, playing right. Now I'm like six four and three. I'm, I'm about three thirty five, but a lot of the muscle's gone away. It's been replaced by well trained fat to stay in certain areas, so I don't look as big. It's like <laughs> <laughs> as other three hundred and fifty pound butter balls, but yeah. People are always tell me like you don't, and that's why I asked to uh, one of my buddies. say a, that's um, a CrossFitter, because I, I I was like, dude, am I am I repulsive? Like, if I just, like, for someone that works out, like, all the time, does CrossFit, like, am I just, am I just disgusting? Like, you know what I mean? Because, like, I just, I, I, I realize that I'm, like, 100 pounds heavier than Donald Trump's, you know, uh, alleged weight. <laughs> because, and, and thank God for um, Brandon Shaw, with the fighter and the kid, because he's like, there's no fucking way that that guy weighs as much as me. He's, he, there's no way that Donald Trump, is the same height and same weight as I am. He's like, that's not fucking possible. And they're like, well, maybe he's doughy. He's like, I'm telling you, B, there's no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that it's just fake news that I'm really not 100 pounds heavier than him, but still. But he was like, no, you're not. You're not disgusting. But he didn't to start with losing weight. I went to, um, I went to the Dollar Tree store, and I was going to go buy candy for, um, for the movies. And I ended up uh, walking out with a fifteen dollar bill, and um, I bought like five workout videos. <laughs> like, <'cause> they were <laughs> Julie Michaels. I like deals, <laughs> but I was just like, "That's one of my new bits." I was just like, "There's just like a like a conveyor belt of confusion." <laughs> 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 but that's funny. What's uh, what, you have any funny stories And yeah, I always ask people that sometimes. You got any funny stories besides the, the bull and the.
1: <clears throat> My uh, first ever Tinder date is kind of legendary.
0: I've never, I never did Tinder. Never did Tinder.
1: I only did it once.
0: Oh, so it, was, it went that well. Please do tell
1: <laughs> So, Do you first, need another beer? No, I'm, I'm okay right now. So, yeah, first and only time I ever did Tinder. Um, matched up and then she was, you know, she was like, hey, why don't you come over to the house? And, you know let's have dinner and at the time i was like not because i had just gotten out of a long-term relationship i mean i was not ready for a hookup i was like right. you know it's like i wanted to just be dating right and i was like well dinner sounds innocent enough and yeah <clears throat> it's like all right come over to the house at like nine o'clock and on sunday and i'm like okay so i get to a place we end up talking for like an hour and there's, like, no dinner prepared or anything. Like, no one's smoking meat or... You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> so it's like, 10 p.m. on a Sunday night. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? There's no food. She's, like, way out of my league. Like, right. you know, like, I feel like I'm going to wake up and then, like, my kidneys are going to be gone or yeah, something. Yeah,
0: you're going to be in the bathtub.
1: <laughs> well, she, and she's like, well, let me give you, like, a tour of the house. And we get to her bedroom, lights are off and there's like twenty lit candles. And
0: (laughs) you're like, This is a fire hazard. (laughs) (laughs) Why why would you why would you leave all these candles just lit open flame? What are you crazy?
1: (laughs) So I'm like wet in Rome, right? You know, like she's hot and like so we start making out, clothes are starting to come off. Yeah. And like we just start having sex, and she starts yelling like my pillow's on fire, <laughs> and I'm like, I have no like, is that a new term? Like, yeah. what the hell's going on? <laughs> Lo and behold, a pillow fell off the bed onto the ground onto a candle. The pillow is really on fire. <laughs> so she jumps off the bed, grabs the pillow, runs to the bathroom. You know, douses it. Yeah. And I'm like in La La Land because I was like, oh, it's the first time been with a while, like, girl in a while. Yeah. And then I look over. I swear to God, the wall is on fire.
0: Oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I go running over towards the kitchen. I'm like grabbing cups and pots knowing that there's like a fire, you know, like on, going on. I finally douse it. Uh-huh. Smoke fills up the room. Fire alarms are going off. Her dogs start going crazy, and she comes like she looks at me in positive, and pauses. She goes, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. This is all my fault." And my evil ex girlfriend, who would you know, last girl that I dated before her, yeah, would always manipulate stuff. Or we would never got in a fight. It became my fault. It didn't matter like what right. happened. I'm like, oh my god, this is like the first time a girl said I'm sorry to me in like seven years.
0: <laughs> You're like, what are you doing for the rest of your life? Yeah. <laughs> we could give i could talk my mom into the fact that you don't know how to cook it's all right <laughs> that's so funny
1: so yeah i i literally tinder became tinder and, and so you
0: so you never went out with that girl you never never talked to that girl again
1: well there's fire marks on the wall <laughs> and we never really got to finish that night right right so in my head i'm like okay she's easy she's hot she's going to willing to put out how am Fires. i gonna,
0: yeah I mean, how dare you, sir? <laughs> how dare you?
1: <laughs> so I was like, I need to see her again. Right. So in my head, I'm like, you know what? Why don't I help you fix your wall? Hey. I'll come back over. We'll fix this wall. And then I figured I'll be able to start what we know.
0: Yeah, finish finish, it, finish the night off. And I
1: even prefaced it because me thinking two steps ahead, like a chess player, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to try the cheap way first. This is the most economical way to fix the wall. Right. It may not work.
0: Right. So hey, you, you might need to see me again.
1: <laughs> because the you know option B is like we're going to have to get new drywall. This is going right. to take like you know four hours ish. So I I set up two dates. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did look her up recently. I mean because that was a couple of years ago. She ended up in rehab. So I did
0: ah see so Jodged a bullet. Good job.
1: Yeah, it's uh. I have, my dating life—I'm kind of a bad judge of character, so it's—I'm
0: uh, a bad judge of picking wives. Apparently,
1: <laughs> it seems like it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've had—I've uh, had two. Um, both have cheated on me. Um, and uh, that's how I got into comedy. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> like this is going to be cheaper than therapy. So yeah. but it's been fun. i mean, uh, not having. It, The first ex wife, so the first ex wife, you didn't have, didn't have any kids, so that one's easy. You never have to see them again. But the the next one, you know what I mean? That, you know, you have to you have to co parent with. But she stays on her side of the golf course, and I stand on my side of the golf course. We're fine. She lives in the same community, but I never, I try not to ever see her. Works out well. Yeah. Uh, You're gonna tell. So you did the Tinder date. I never did. I never did Tinder. I actually did the pre Tinder. Um, which was called just talking to girls. Um, and I remember one time there was this girl that I hadn't seen in, in a long time and I, I've never, I've never dated a black girl before. Um, but there was, I take that back. I took, I took a girl out, uh, on a date and she was really, really pretty, but it was just the date and I didn't like how she interacted with the server who happened to be one of my best friends, but she didn't know it. And so that wasn't, that didn't work out real well. But um, I there was a girl that I had seen, and I was like, Oh, I was like, So, uh, how you been? We were like talking back and forth. And she's like, Oh, yeah, we should get together and have dinner. And I was like, Oh, that'd be pretty nice. And she's like, Yeah, I'd really like to spend time with you. And I was like, All right. Like, I think I can see myself doing that. She's like, Hey, I got my clip pierced. And I was like, Okay, see you later. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> I I don't, that's why I don't think I could ever got into Tinder because the whole idea is like, we're having, we're going to be fucking by the time this this like, this interaction is done and I was just like, I can't handle that kind of pressure, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know, I I don't know why I'm weird like that, but it's just like, I want to try and like, accidentally have sex, like, whoa, hey, like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't like finding out what I'm getting for Christmas, anytime in November or December, I want to know on Christmas Day or later.
1: I feel like too, as someone with a clip here, it's like you got to bring your A game to that.
0: Yeah, that's that's someone that uh, that doesn't have any problem uh, showing her labia to uh, strangers. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh, but um, it was a uh, that was the, that was the only interaction I had with, with that was the closest I got to having sex with a black woman, and it was. It was very frightening. <laughs> 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 That's cool, man. I really, I really like you, Mario. You're a good guy. Hopefully, I'm. I'd like to. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with this whole um, producing thing, but I think I'd like to. I'd like to have, do a show with you.
1: Yeah, you know absolutely. I'd mean. be. Yeah, really appreciate it. So, yeah, be a good time. And uh, yeah, thank you again for the opportunity to be here today.
0: Yeah, dude. Let's go. Uh, I think uh, food should be getting getting ready pretty soon. Go have some smoked chicken. Have have a sandwich. Meet a pretty girl. It's supposed to be coming over. That's my neighbor's friend. Who knows?
1: Hopefully she doesn't have a pierced uh, clit, too. <laughs> or or has a, a rational fear of open flame.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Love you, everybody. Right, bye. Thank you. All right. Say bye, everybody. Bye. bye.